going to be preaching uh, from Revelation chapter 7. And this is uh, a chapter which has some incredibly great, powerful worship scenes, but also one which in the first part has some complicated bits and we're going to spend a bit of time working through them and I hope you can be patient and uh, and that they'll be, this will be helpful. So I'm going to start by reading from Revelation chapter 7 verses 1 to 8. After this, I saw four angels standing at the four corners of the earth holding back the four winds of the earth to protect, to, to prevent any wind from blowing on the land or on the sea or on any tree. Then I saw another angel coming up from the east, having the seal of the living God. He called out in a loud voice to the four angels who, were given power, who had been given power to harm the land and the sea. Do not harm the land or the sea or the trees until we put a seal on the foreheads of the servants of our God. Then I heard the number of those who were sealed, 144,000 from all the tribes of Israel. From the tribe of Judah, 12,000 were sealed. From the tribe of Reuben, 12,000. From the tribe of Gad, 12,000. From the tribe of Asher, 12,000. From the tribe of Naphtali, 12,000. From the tribe of Manasseh, 12,000. From the tribe of Simeon, 12,000. From the tribe of Levi, 12,000. From the tribe of Ikasar, 12,000. From the tribe of Zebulon, 12,000. From the tribe of Joseph, 12,000. And from the tribe of Benjamin, 12,000. Okay. This chapter, uh, some people have called uh, the interlude because there's a break. They open in Revelation chapter 6 is the opening of the seven seals. Well, not really the seven, just six are opened. And then there's a sort of a break. And then uh, we come to the seventh seal, which turns out to be seven trumpets. And so the cycle begins again. You, you sort of get the same story from a different perspective with different things highlighted. Um, knowing that the revelation is more circular uh, that it is chronological. You come to the same point. We already sort of come to the end of all things uh, at the end of chapter 6, and I'll talk about that uh, more in a minute. Uh, but then you, you get this start again and uh, uh, another another way of seeing it in this one great revelation that God gave to John. So he says, He saw four angels standing in the four corners of the earth holding back the four winds uh, to prevent any wind blowing on the land or, or causing harm, the, these four angels, the, the four, if he's talked about the four corners of the earth, of course there is not four corners to the earth, but it means the whole earth. That's what it means. They stay, they cover north, south, east, and west, and um, these angels are holding back some sort of havoc or destruction on the earth. They're probably holding it back till the appointed time because we find out in Revelation chapter 9, verses 13 to 15, that the that, that four angels are released and they cause the death of uh, up to a third of the people. Um, four winds are mentioned a lot in the Old Testament. Uh, in, in Jeremiah 49, uh, the, the, it's the four winds are the terrifying force which breaks down military might. In Ezekiel 37, it's a source of restored life, uh, which comes from the breath of God or the Holy Spirit. Uh, in Daniel chapter 7, these four winds stir up the, the ocean and it causes these beasts to emerge from it. 
and uh, in Zechariah 6, these are where the various coloured horses who patrol the earth uh, go to the four winds. They, they, they spread out. But in any case, the four winds always refers to God's awesome power, to his, uh, his power worked out in his plan and his wisdom to the ends of the earth. Now, these, hold, these angels hold back destruction until the servants of God are sealed or marked or uh, shown to be his. In Revelation, we often hear people speak with fear about those who receive the mark of the beast. There's actually, right throughout the book, is a mention of God's people being marked. Uh, the mark of God is on them. They are sealed. The Lord's name is put them on, on them. They belong to him. They are his, and nothing can take or change that seal of ownership. And And what this passage is saying is, the Lord will not bring his righteous judgments on the earth uh, until it's clear that his own are marked and safe and secure. Then I heard the number of those who were sealed, 144,000 from all the tribes of Israel. Now, <coughs> this is the kind of going to be the, the complicated bit because there's a lot of controversy and discussion about <clears throat> what this 144,000 refers to. Uh, there's different understandings. Uh, and, and look, to be honest, in the end, it's not, it's not clear. But, uh, you know, one of the most famous views is the Jehovah's Witness view that it's something like there's a special anointed class of saints and that's those who become JWs before 1935 and there's 144,000 of them. Other Christians, <clears throat> uh, um, well, some Christians, uh, as opposed to Jehovah's Witnesses, uh, believe that it's talking about 144,000 ethnic Jews who are converted after there's a rapture and uh, there'll be 12,000 of these Jews from each tribe who will become a Christian. Now, we're going to look at a lot of uh, different scripture just to talk about this. Uh, normally, we wouldn't put so much emphasis in something which is, a, is, a, is uncertain but because there's so much controversy and discussion about this, uh, we're going to look at it in a bit of detail. So please bear with me for the next uh, five minutes as we just go through this. But just to make some points, if we have seen throughout the book of Revelation really clearly that it is not a literal book. Uh, it is a type of uh, literature, which they call apocalyptic literature, where everything has meaning. It is all true because it's all God's word. Every aspect means something, but it is a, a, a this different way of literature. So instead of we don't have Jesus is described as a lamb who looks like he's been slain, and, and as I've said many times before, um, when we meet Jesus, we're not going to meet a sheep. But the the everything about calling Jesus the Lamb of God. Uh, has meaning because he died for our sins. And, and we're told in chapter 1 that the stars refer to angels and, and we know we found out that uh, crowns mean authority, that horns mean strength and, and so on. Everything has meaning and it's all true. It's just that it's not a literal meaning. So when we get to numbers, uh, it, it's similar. They have meaning 
but they refer uh, the the word thousand is is kind of a complete number. It's a whole number. It's it's everything in. Uh, so that's one hundred forty four thousand. And twelve uh, people. A lot of people simply think it refers to uh, the twelve tribes of uh, of Israel, as well as the twelve apostles. The twelve and the twelve and twelve times twelve is one hundred forty four. And and this, in some way, is talking about. Those being sealed are those from the Old Covenant and from the New Covenant, from the Old Testament and the New Testament. Now, if if we were thinking that this is referring to after the rapture, there's really nothing to uh, show this because in the previous chapter, in chapter 6, when we get to the end of that, we see the sun's gone black, the stars are gone, the heavens are rolled up like a scroll, every mountain is removed from its place, and if you read that carefully, it really sounds like, well, it doesn't sound like a secret rapture. There's nothing secret about it. Everything on earth is shifted. There's no, no place it has bearing. It sounds more like the end just before Judgment Day. And again, uh, Revelations is not in order. And I'll say it again. You, you get the birth of Jesus in Revelation chapter 12. Uh, what does that mean? It means that that's just how the pictures are shown in the Revelation. Uh, secondly, does this refer only to ethnic Jews? Uh, many believe that. Um, now, the New Testament makes it really, really clear not all of Israel is Israel. John the Baptist said he could turn st- these stones into children of Abraham. And Paul makes it really clear the true Israel, the true Jews even, are and the true descendants of Abraham are those who believe in Jesus, those who have faith in Jesus. You see that in Romans 2, uh, verse 28 and 29, uh, Galatians 3, 26, 29, uh, and, and James 1 calls the, the church the Israel of God. Israel is God's people. And you see, God's plan has always been that if a Gentile would follow, in the Old Testament would follow Yahweh, like Ruth did, then they would be included in Israel when they turned to Yahweh. Now, Ruth was a foreigner. She, she wasn't a, an ethnic Jew, but she was included in ethnic Israel, and she was even in the line of Jesus. Um, so, the, the 144,000, firstly, in verse 3 of chapter 7, are called, they are the servants of our God. Now, later in Revelation chapter 14, this 144,000 is mentioned, are mentioned again. And there they are called those who have re- been redeemed from the earth, those who were purchased from among men. Uh, the language there just seems to include all who are Christians. Probably meaning that the 144,000 is a symbolic number, meaning all the, the perfect number of those redeemed, drawn from all people, not simply Jews, but they are all called the Israel of God. And also, then, uh, if, if you read Revelation 14, verse 4, it says the 144,000 are those who have not defiled themselves with women. Now, does that mean that 144,000 refers only to a chosen group of Jewish men who have never had sexual relations with a woman? So they're celibate. And it also says there are those who have no lies. So you need a group of celibate Jewish men who have never told a lie, which kind of rules out most people. 
But you see, if if it's uh, there's the symbolism here is it's a large perfected group of people from the old and new covenant who are undefiled, who have a moral purity, who are set apart. And the only way that a person can be that is if they're in Christ. And they receive from Christ as a gift his righteousness, his perfection, because he is the only true man, the only pure man to have ever lived. And we receive that gift by faith. I hope that makes uh, some sense. Uh, in verse 9, there's a great multitude of believers before the throne, and, and we would assume that, it's, that they're also sealed by God, that they're marked by God. We know they have robes of righteousness, so they are perfected by God. So um, it, it could even be that the 144,000 then refers to all those who are in Christ, and they are seen to be a great multitude Men and women from the Old Testament, the New Testament times, protected from the judgments of God because they're in Christ. Now, that's not the only complicating thing here. It mentions the 12 tribes of Israel, but if you compare that to the 12 tribes of Genesis 49, well, there's some differences. main one being that the tribe of Dan's not mentioned, uh, but the tribe of Joseph and Manasseh are mentioned. Now Manasseh was Joseph's son, so really they're the same tribe, to have them as two tribes. And most people think that the reason that Dan's not mentioned is because the, the Dan tribe, the, the tribe of the Danites, were kind of a tribe associated with idolatry, if you read Judges 18 or 1 Kings 12 and, and a few other places. Now, we know that all of Israel was idolatrous, all the tribes were idolatrous at various times. Uh, but the symbol here is that these are God's set apart people who are not idolatrous. And it also doesn't mean that no one from the tribe of Dan will make it in, because in Ezekiel 48, when it's talking about the restoration of all things, it's saying that Dan has a place in the new Israel uh, with the other tribes. But um, but this has meaning. It's meaning that this is a purified, washed group of people who God is holding to himself. We also notice in those 12 tribes that the um, that Judah is mentioned first, even though he wasn't the first. And uh, the reason for that is Jesus was from the Lion of Judah. Revelation 5.5 5 had said... Uh, he he it's the number one tribe, not because of anything about Judah, but because about who would come from that tribe, and that would be Jesus. Now, with all this in mind, I think this is what I would say. Um, God has sealed a large number of people, old covenant and new, and these are sealed and secured and safe from his judgments that he'll pour out on the earth, they are a people who are pure and holy, his beloved, set aside for him. So we'll move on. Verse 9 says, After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands. 
a great multitude beyond counting. You can't count these. They're, and they are from every tribe, sorry, every nation, tribe, people, language. And they're all before the throne and before the Lamb. It's kind of the promise of uh, Genesis 12.3. The promise God made to Abraham was that through you all people on earth will be blessed. This blessing spreads out from Israel to the whole world. Uh, every nation across the whole world, across all of time, all of history, every tribe, every language, all there gathered with all of their history but these are a pure people having been washed by Christ. It, um, you know, today the most spoken language in the world is actually Chinese. If we talk about first uh, languages, uh, the, the main language of people, the second is Spanish, third is English. Do you know about 5% of the world have English as their first language? <laughs> as an English-speaking person, I thought it was everybody. <laughs> um, it, it turns out that... <laughs> Every and there are literally thousands of languages, thousands of people groups, and here is this gathering of people, of Christians, from. It's awesome, it's just awesome, and what are they doing together? They are worshiping God. They are worshiping the Lamb before the throne, and it says, and they cried out in a loud voice. Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. All the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures. They fell down on their faces before the throne and worshipped God saying, Amen. Praise and glory and wisdom and thanks and honour and power and strength be to our God forever and ever. Amen. What are they saying? Salvation belongs to our God. It's not just salvation belongs to God. He is ours. And we are his and we belong to him and we love him. And it's just a, a beautiful. He alone gives salvation. He is the author of salvation. He is the author of our salvation. Salvation belongs to the Lamb, to Jesus, the Son of God, who, who did everything as uh, in the plan of the Father, who obeyed the Father in everything and who died for his people to fulfill the plans of God. And when they cry out, when everyone hears this statement, salvation belongs to our God and to the Lamb, everybody falls on their faces in worship and they say, Amen, which means truly. This is it. This is true. Praise and glory and wisdom and thanks and honour, and power, and strength be to our God forever and ever. Amen. What an awesome scene of worship because they know our God and the Lamb who rules over all things, who died not just for people. He died for us. He is our God. He is our Saviour. And we love him. Then one of the elders asked me, These in white robes, who are they and where did they come from? <laughs> and I answered, Sir, you know that's a safe answer. Like, you're asking me a hard question. I'm going to say, well, you know the answer to that one. And he said, These 
are they who have come out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. The multitude is wearing white robes. They've been washed in the blood of the Lamb. It's a, it's a funny image to be washed in red blood and come out white. But of course, again, it's that figurative language of the washing that happens through the death of Jesus on the cross. How can a person be cleansed and washed and purified and made perfect forever? Through Jesus. Through the cross of his sacrifice. Through the cross of his sacrifice alone. There is one way to God. It's through Jesus. And these are the ones. Now it says, the NIV there says, the ones who have come out of the great tribulation. The Greek there, as you might find in the ESV, says this. These are the ones coming out of the great tribulation. They are kind of arriving. It's a present continuous tense. There is a growing gathering. As more and more Christians come from the tribulations that Christians face on the earth because of their faith, and they are arriving and gathering before the throne. There, ah, It's a dynamic scene, really. And then he says in verse 15, therefore, okay, what is, why therefore? Well, because of this great gathering of washed and holy people and cleansed from every tribe and nation, and because that salvation belongs to our God, who by sheer grace and mercy has saved his people through the Lamb, Jesus, therefore they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple, at the meeting place with God. And he who sits on the throne will shelter them with his presence. Never again will they hunger. Never again will they thirst. The sun will not beat down on them, nor any scorching heat. For the lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd. He will lead them to springs of living water and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Because of the salvation of our God, because this great multitude, his saints, his holy ones, are, have gathered because of the Lamb and the blood of the Lamb and that washing, because of all of that, his beloved are safe and secure and sheltered in his presence forever and ever. After they die, they gather. And the living believers still on earth, are sheltered by God whatever they face, whether they live or die. It doesn't matter, because all will die. But those who are in Christ will gather before the throne, safe with him, and safe for how long? Forever. Never will they hunger. Never again will they thirst. No, it won't happen. Nothing will beat down on them that will harm them, because they are shepherded by the Lamb who's at the centre of the throne with the Father. And he leads them to springs of living water. Sounds like Psalm 23, doesn't it? The Lord is my shepherd. He leads me to green pastures. And, and, and surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell where? In the house of the Lord for how long? Forever. And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. What an awesome thing this passage is telling us. If you belong to Jesus, you can have an incredible assurance 
Nothing can separate you from the love of God that's come to you through Christ Jesus. You are safe and sheltered with him forever and he has purified you and washed you and made you absolutely fit for him forever. Nothing can change this. Nothing can harm his people. Praise be to God forever and ever. And praise be to his son Jesus forever and ever. And Father, as we as we listen to this word, I pray that our hearts would be in worship for you because we know just the incredible gift of your salvation. Oh, Father, we love you and we thank you and pray that because of what you've done for us, we would be a worshipping people and that we would worship all the days of our lives and that we would dwell secure with you all the days of our life, even as we eat in the presence of our enemies, even as, as, as they look on but can do nothing. Through those times, let us know the security we have in you because you have sent your Son to wash and cleanse and renew and restore us forever to yourself. Father, I pray that this would be more than just uh, words on a page or even a message uh, on a a podcast or on a YouTube, but this would be the words of eternal life that pour down into our hearts by your Holy Spirit and flow out with streams of living water as we overflow with all the blessings it is to be called your children. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.